0: Dios es Padre Celestial, ¡ay! God from whom all blessings flow. Alright, so this is what we'll do. This table up here will start with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And all you folks back there will pick up following Rebecca. Okay? Ready? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God. We're very, very glad to be here amongst you again. As Pastor was saying, I uh, have served as a missionary for 20 years now. I started in 2001, graduated from seminary, and uh, did not particularly want to be a missionary. Wanted to be a pastor. I was single at the time, so I said, well, Lord, wherever you'd like to send me, except the missionary. So I was willing to go military, chaplain of hospital, uh you know old folks on anything i just didn't want to go into the mission field and um i remember i was supposed to turn in my form and the uh, placement officer came to me and said look you got to get that form in i was sitting on it he came back and he's like you got to get that in by christmas or you're not going to get a call and um, the reason i hadn't turned it in was because i was Struggling with the fact that I couldn't check the box report mission, So it was actually the day of uh, Christmas break all my buddies were loading up their vehicles going home to see their families and I was looking at this dumb form going, you know Well, why can't I check this box? And so I just kind of took a deep sigh and said well, Lord if you want me to do this you better help me and I checked it and went to the placement office, it was already closed, so I had to go to uh, a store and get it postmarked that day, dropped it in the mailbox, came back uh, after Christmas break, and the first day back, the placement officer calls me up and says, so I see you want to go into foreign mission. I said, no sir, I checked every other box, uh, including foreign mission. He said, that's what I said. I see you want to go into foreign mission. So uh, one thing led to another, and before I knew it, I found myself being assigned to Venezuela. And and being Canadian, I didn't know a lick of Spanish. They teach us French in Canada, Uh, so not very helpful. And really, the only two words I thought I knew was to say good evening, buenos nachos, but that's just saying good nachos. I thought I was saying good evening, buenas noches, right? So that began a whole lot of fun. Served for seven years as a church planter and teaching theology to uh, seminarians in uh, Venezuela. I lived in the city of Maracay, which is about two hours west of the capital, and uh, served there for four years as a church planter. We started a church that had, I received it from another missionary, it had 11 members, it grew to have 160. Baptized 110 adults, and uh, then I was called to serve uh, uh, in teaching uh, young men. We started a program preparing them to be pastors. Did that for three years, and then I was called to serve in the Dominican Republic. Just before I left uh, Venezuela, six months before, I married Rebecca. She's also Canadian and uh, a daughter of missionaries who served in India from 65 to 75. She was not raised in India, but rather in Canada. Uh, but her older siblings went to boarding schools and all of that in uh, India, in the south. Uh, which she was with me for six months, and then we moved to the Dominican Republic. And we've been in the Dominican Republic since 2008, Rebecca? Or nine? 2009. 2009. And, uh, this is my 20th year in the mission field. It seems like a blink of an eye. I really can't tell you how that all went by as fast as it did. And uh, I, I started in the Dominican Republic as a church planter. When I arrived there, there was a Brazilian Lutheran pastor. We have a uh, historic church partner in Brazil. The church there was started in 1900 by uh, a re- resolution of our convention that said there are millions or hundreds of thousands of Germans moving to Brazil and we needed to serve them. So we sent our first two missionary pastors there in 1900. Today, that church body has 2,000 congregations, a Lutheran university that serves 60,000 students, and um, is actually working alongside of us in sending out missionaries. It's our only church partner that sends out missionaries as well. So in 2009, uh, Pastor Reese had been there three years before me and uh, he had generated a lot of contacts, but they only had seven individuals who were members of the church. So today, we have uh, five congregations, another five mission stations, two Lutheran schools, a foundation that serves people with disabilities, and uh, we started a seminary. Since I last saw you, uh, that would have been we just concluded our, our fourth year of uh, academics. So that's a little summary of my life. I'll show you some slides here. But you just met my, my wife and children and we're very blessed to have them. They go to school in Spanish. And uh, that's a, a school that's just about 15 minutes away from us. It's an average middle class school. And the children have their classes from the morning, eight o'clock until noon. School is half day. And uh, the oldest two just started homeschooling because they've done six years of Spanish. And now they need to work in English on their grammar and reading, uh, now that they got that down. So if you'd like to start a conversation with them in Spanish, feel free. They'll probably duck their head and smile. But uh, they do speak Spanish. And um, the kids, In all of them are in music, mostly because my wife is musical. I don't have enough music to fill my pinky finger. So um, they thankfully all play the piano. A couple of them play the guitar, violin, and they play church because in our churches, we don't have ready-made musicians. So the young people tend to be our musicians and it tends to be the classic guitar. Sometimes we have a piano as well. So that's why um, we're, we're, uh, training them to play uh, matthias and Esther already play regularly in the service. Esther plays violin and Quattro and sometimes the piano and Matthias the guitar and loves to sing. So uh, that's a little bit about us the craze in, in 2010 I was asked to serve as regional director, which simply means more work um, <laughs> across Latin America so South America down to Chile, Central America, so that would be Mexico, down to Colombia, and then the Caribbean, uh, probably five countries in the Caribbean. In all 22 countries where we served, back in 2010 we were two missionary pastors and three lay missionaries, five missionaries serving in the whole region. Today we're right around 50, with children and spouses just around 140 of us. So, uh, spread across 10 countries. Our motto is spread the word, plant Lutheran churches, and show mercy. That's a little bit of a Lutheran missiology, study of Lutheran mission. When we think about the front end of mission work, uh, we need to think a little bit about how does, how does one come to hear? So, uh, can you think of an organization that the church has that helps get the word out? You have to answer this question, not me. Can you think of an organization we have as a, as a Lutheran church body that helps get the word out to people who are not necessarily in church? Lutheran yeah, KFUO, radio. Sure, that's one way. I heard someone else over here. Lutheran laymen's League. Absolutely, like Lutheran laymen's League that supports the Lutheran Hour, right? And the Lutheran Hour, like KFUO, has for over 100 years. Uh, Lutherans were amongst the first on the radio to broadcast the gospel in hundreds of countries across the globe. Uh, In Venezuela, I could come up to somebody and say, I'm a Lutheran missionary, and they'd say, what's that? That's a strange duck. But if I said I was from the Lutheran hour, they said, oh, been listening to you guys for years on the radio, always wanted to meet somebody from your church. Um, So that's, that's the front end of Lutheran mission work, right? Spread the word. How else do we spread the word? Through good literature, right? Bible societies across the world help uh, and are still translating the Bible into languages in which folks don't yet have that language in their heart language. We have uh, Lutheran Bible translators, which goes out and works in many different countries, working amongst tribes and peoples, making known to them in their own language the the scripture. Uh, Over 2,000 languages in which the Bible is now translated So all sorts of ways that we make the word known. Think of a gospel uh, image that helps you, or parable that helps you visualize spreading the word. What comes to mind? A gospel parable or image that uh, helps us, this goes really well in an agricultural community. You're going to plant the seed, absolutely. Jesus uh, talks about the sower who goes out and throws the seed. And it's very interesting. He throws it on four types of soil, but I don't think it's so much about the four types of soil as much as the fact that he throws it on all the soil. And the point being that on Christ, uh, our Lord has redeemed everyone, and He earnestly desires that all would be saved. So it, this this sower is not like you folks who have precision-guided tractors that, through GPS, allow you with absolute precision plant um, in equal distance one from the other perfectly linear nothing like that this sower is completely the opposite almost contrary to human reason he's throwing on the rocky soil on the path in all places because he would have everyone here and that speaks to him and his character he's loved and compassionate and would earnestly desire that all would hear. So spread the, spread the word, plant Lutheran churches. Why do we plant Lutheran churches? What What's that about? You didn't think I was going to make you think, huh? It's one way to spread the gospel. You bet, but it's even more than spreading the gospel. Who do we say is present when we have a church? Who, who do we gather around as Lutherans? Yeah, our Christ, our God, right? Lutherans are unique in that we say our Lord is present here to serve us. That's why we call it a divine service. The divine comes to serve us. In other words, our Lord is here, and how does he disciple us, how does he teach us what it means to live according to his gospel? Through his word and through his sacraments? So that's part of what we're doing here, being discipled by our Lord. He's the one who teaches us through his word. So, uh, Lutheran churches uh, there serve exactly the purpose that they serve here: that folks who have heard, who have had that gospel spread, um, and received that and believe, come into a church and then are able to be discipled by our Lord through the preaching, the teaching, the baptizing, through receiving of the Lord's supper, all with the purpose that they would grow up in Christ and, in turn, be able to tell others, right? And then finally, show mercy. What flows out of us as Christians as we receive love upon love? You know, if you take a glass of water and you keep pouring and you don't stop, what eventually happens to that glass? You build that overflows overflows. In, in one direction? In all directions. In in all directions, and that's precisely how we are as Christians. Yeah. Privately, vocationally in our lives, we overflow in love towards others, our family, our neighbors and others. As a church, we do exactly the same. We serve those who are in need. So this is our, our slogan, spread the word, plant the churches, show mercy. And I would argue this is a Lutheran way of doing mission. One of the ways that we spread the word is through uh, BDMA. We have an online Lutheran library in which we translate books and articles for our pastors in 20 different countries. And uh, we can't get books across borders. So, as much as I love to have a book, a good sized book, like I'm supposing that's the book you have there Bible. Bible. Uh, you know, we have a Reformation Bible in Spanish. But to get it across a border and pay the taxes is very prohibitive. And the majority of our pastors make something around 300 $400 a month. They can't afford an $80 Bible. Um, and then taxes up on top of that and how are they going to prepare good sermons and good Bible studies and serve people in their community if they don't have good literature so we have a team of 12 people who translate um, different books books for preaching books on serving in uh, youth, all sorts of um, books commentaries and we've translated about 30 books now this is a little bit dated and I, this was four years ago. We served 195 pastors. We now serve 300, and um, we're going into our eighth year of providing books. This is a very worthwhile project. Without good literature, the church can't do her work. So, VDMA, um, the Word of the Lord endures forever. Let's see if I can get this. To the there we go. Luther Academy. With those books, we then go to different countries. So this is actually in Spain. This is one of the countries that I'm responsible for. Spain is not in my region, but they speak Spanish, so they said you should serve Spain, too. So um, these are the pastors in Spain. This is uh, Dr. Arthur Just from the Fort Wayne Seminary. And um, here's our missionary, David Warner, who serves that church body. Another one right here, Adam Lehman. And uh, these We have, in Spain, churches in uh, Madrid, Barcelona, and Cartagena, those three places. But we have Lutherans in 18 different cities. And these pastors send out their sermons, again, spreading the word, through the internet. And they hold, um, not services, but Bible studies and send their sermons. And then they travel three times a year to each of the regions where and people come from different cities to hear the pastors. Then they baptize, then they teach, and they preach. And once we have enough folks in a city who form a core, we form a, a, a church that has regular weekly services with their own building. We've been working there since 2015 and with these pastors, and we now have six men who are Spanish, Uh, pastors, that's to say they're Spaniard, national pastors from Spain, so the work becomes a lot easier when you have your own men in your country who are able to serve their own people, and that's always one of our goals. Any questions? So the Luther Academy then goes to 15 different countries serving pastors. They don't have Bible institutes, they don't have seminaries, so we come with a teacher who teaches for a week 30 hours of classes And that gives our pastors a chance to freshen and deepen themselves in the word, and of course, in turn, be ready and able to serve their people. Uh, This is the two parts to our work. On the one side, we strengthen our partner churches. So our partner churches would be uh, in nine countries, Mexico, Brazil, like I already mentioned, Argentina, Chile, uh, Guatemala, Venezuela, at six of them and those are churches where we do projects like this uh, VDMA and Luther County we strengthen the pastors and encourage them in the other ten countries this is where we plant churches you can see here we have um, 40 40 missions that we're planting with 32 missionaries from the LCMS uh, here's the nine partner churches and you can see a partner church is where there's like a house with a cross, and where the LCMs is working are just the, with our church plants. You can see where some of these missions are. So here in Peru, Paraguay, Uruguay, Colombia, Panama, Honduras, uh, Dominican Republic is up here. Puerto Rico. Those are some of the countries that we're working in. You know, that's one of the few countries that we don't have any relationship to. Um, there's a few countries that we're not working in Ecuador, like you rightly point out, and then Suriname over here, French speaking, English speaking, and the Dutch. We don't work here either, nor in Ecuador. Uh, we just don't have any contacts at this point. Now Wells, Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Senate is working in Ecuador. Um, but that's a good question. that should a great opportunity since now is now Is that right? Huh, we'll have to talk about that. Okay, um, So planting churches, this is one of my uh, fellow missionaries, Pastor David Preuss, he teaches at the seminary and also works at um, planting churches. A a seminarian is alongside of him. His wife, Jenny, in the background. This was in the Dominican when we uh, dedicated the building of one of our churches just outside the city of Santiago where we live as a family. Here's Dr. Just again, these are some of the seminarians. Like I told you, the the guitar is the most common instrument. Uh, This was a Palm Sunday celebration. I'll tell you a funny story about my wife. She um, had just moved to the Dominican Republic and we're getting ready to celebrate Palm Sunday. And uh, we're planning uh, to have a processional outside the cross, around the block, Now the name of the town, you have to listen to it. It's in Spanish, but I think you're going to catch it. It's called Palmar Arriba, right? Uh, Where the palms are up higher. But that's the name of the town. Now uh, she says, as a good Canadian, where are we going to get the palms from? And the Dominicans are all looking at her like. And she goes, where are we going to get all the palms from? And because in Canada you have to order the palms, right? And they come in a box, and they're ready for you so you can carry around your token palm. Well, there, palms grow everywhere, everywhere. So for a number of years, they would always say to her, where are we going to get the palms from? You know? <laughs> but it's a question of changing your geography. Um, Pastor Forrest teaches systematics in our seminary, and um, this is one of the young ladies from our group home, the church that he serves, Ramona where we have children with disabilities. Uh, we, like I said to you, we have missionaries serving alongside of us from other church bodies who are Lutheran. This is Pastor Sergio Fritzler. He's from Argentina, uh, serves in a seminary in the area of Pastoral, but he also serves one of our missions. Uh, this is Pastor Sergio Mica. He's from Venezuela. He was a student of mine when I taught in Venezuela, and today serves in the Dominican Republic with us, teaching a class on why, it, you, you, anyone know Spanish here? Last time I was here, there was somebody who knew Spanish. What does that say, sir, do you know? I can't see it. <laughs> por, por que soy luterano? Okay. Por soy luterano? Why am I Lutheran? So that's the course that they're studying there. Um, so we have 15 pastors across Latin America who come from Argentina, Brazil, uh, Venezuela, Paraguay, I think those are the four, uh, Bolivia, those are the five countries where these pastors come from, and how can they be alongside of us? Because for over 100 years, as Lutheran Church was already Synod, we've been planting churches in South America, Central America, and the Caribbean. So as the generations come and go, guess what? They, they're able to preach and teach just as well as us, if not better, because it's in their own language amongst their own peoples. So oftentimes, uh, we'll bring these men out of their countries, so they're working cross-culturally in a new country, but there's a lot of similarities, so they'll speak Spanish. Uh, but it's not exactly the same. One Spanish country from another is not the same. Uh, The country is actually very, very, very widely. So we're privileged to have men from other church bodies serve alongside of us. Here's missionary orientation. This is Pastor Joel Fritchi. He's the director of our seminary. Uh, Our chaplain who takes care of missionaries, Dr. Jonathan Nauman, Pastor Arthur Rickman, and their wives here, their children. This was... um, A day that uh, pastor recommends, preached in Spanish in our country, and here's some new missionaries. These two are seminarians from Chile and Guatemala, a pastor who served in Puerto Rico, and then this was our second, third Dominican pastor. We now have three Dominican pastors, Ivan Ivarro, and he serves in the city of uh, Licea. The church is called Cordero de Dios, Lamb of God, Church because of the stained glass window they have. So, any questions? Yes, I have a question on some of the, uh, I guess you can call them, political issues that have been high level in the United States, such as abortion and LGBTQ and some of those things. How have they affected your areas that you are? We have a, we have a lot of the similar conversations. You do, yeah. Um, in fact, my next slide is going to talk about life issues because uh, depending on the country, uh, for example, Brazil and uh, Argentina both now allow gay marriage. Um Abortion is coming into vogue, but it's, we don't have the history of, what is it here now, 60, 60 years of practicing abortion, but it is coming across all of our countries. Um, the question of transgender, uh, the, the LGBTQ agenda, all of that's coming into focus. So we're actually beginning to dedicate uh, people towards producing literature in Spanish to help our churches be able to speak to those issues that, that exist. It's, it's the same thing, we're just a little bit behind in terms of uh, years, but it's a good question. That's absolutely a part of our reality. Any other questions? Um, seminary. I, I mentioned at the beginning that we started a seminary. Why would we need a seminary, and what, how is that a part of mission work? Uh, where you plan a church, if you're planning a church as a missionary, unless you're going to stay there for the next 50 years, what are you going to need apart from people? A pastor, Right. Uh, so where do they come from? They don't drop from the sky. At least I haven't seen that them. Yet. Uh, you actually have to spend time to work at the them. So part of a parcel of missionary work is to be able to have a dedicated place where men can come together, study under godly men, have time to study the scriptures because they need to uh, be steeped in the meditation and uh, knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Uh, so that they, in turn, can dedicate their lives to serving people where they're called to go. Uh, here's some of the countries that we serve that don't have their own uh, seminaries. Do you recognize any of these flags? <coughs> Put you to the test. Well, there's Chile, Mexico, uh, Peru, Guatemala. Uh, what else do we have there? you recognize this one at the top? Oh, come on. That one hurts me if you don't know it. That's the Dominican Republic. It's the only, I'll help you remember it. It's the only flag that has the Bible in the middle of it. It's open to John 8, and it says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's a good Reformation text, isn't it? So, uh, Dominicans were meant to be Lutherans. That's why they have that Bible <laughs> open to that. That's our Reformation text. I mean, uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, flag with um, the Bible right in the middle. The only, only one in the world that has that. One. Okay, so uh, these are all men. Chile, Peru, Mexico, Peru, Spain. Guatemala, Mexico, Venezuela, and Chile. And that's just an example of some of our residential students. So we have... Because they have their own seminary. Yes, sir. Um, Haiti has its own seminary. We built them a seminary in 2010 when an earthquake hit the island and uh, there was an opportunity to do some building over there and we built them in the city of uh, Laidon, uh, just north of the capital, Puerto Prince, and they, they're able to train their own men uh, in that place. So our seminary has residential program, uh, an online program, then we train women uh, to be deaconesses, and uh, we're preparing a Lutheran school teacher program we have about 300 Lutheran schools across Latin America. And we don't have a, a program to train Lutheran teachers. So our seminary is working on that. And now we're working on a pre-seminary program to prepare young men to study. I'm in charge of the diacono program, preparing deaconesses across five countries. We have 140 women in the program. And they, they are studying from uh, Mexico, Guatemala, Panama, Venezuela and the Dominican Republic. We hope to graduate uh, a bunch of them, a cohort now in May this coming year. With COVID, instead of going in person, we had to go online. So we switched all of our education to online for extension. And um, we hope in the fall now uh, to be able to get back to in-person classes. But if we don't, we'll stay online and we'll Gradually about 100 women to be deaconesses made of this coming year. So uh, it's a very exciting uh, topic when you prepare a pastor or a deaconess because a pastor or a deaconess will be around for 30, 40 years teaching. Uh, missionary pastors come and go. It, the average missionary serves for about five years. So uh, if you can train uh, folks locally and raise them up, your church is going to be much more solid and have an opportunity to go forward and plant other churches. Uh, Missionaries are meant to be in a place for a time. That's the nature of our work. Uh, We always uh, have an attitude like John the Baptist. We want others to increase and we want to decrease. So our task is to start something, get a pastor and deaconess there, and move on. That's, That's the missionary task, right? Okay, so this is our seminary, and probably one of the most important things we do. If you were to ask me what matters most to me of everything that we do, it's right here. Because every pastor that we send out is a gospel proclaimer to their own people in their own language. And they'll be able to do it infinitely better than us. Uh, not because they're smarter or wiser, but because they speak the language and know the people. Right? Okay. Um, We prepare our pastors to be evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So our men are in classes from 8 till noon. And then they do their homework in the afternoon. And in the evening, they go out as evangelists knocking on doors, uh, working at uh, Bible studies in homes, uh, visiting with people who are sick. That's where they learn to be evangelists. Shepherds, as they leave liturgy, preach, and teach, And teachers, uh, we educate them to be able to speak to issues of the day, like the question over here about life issues, abortion, uh, and all of that. So we actively engage our seminarians to be able to work in those three areas. In 2010, we had five missionaries. Today, we have 45 missionaries. Uh, One of the means in which we have uh, Churches support us across thirteen countries are by partnerships. And I'll see if this will play. Here we go. I don't know if the volume Oh sound? sorry, I didn't tell you, Pastor, that I was gonna do that. Did the missionaries ever come to United States and train for a bit, or I know the different language, but do they ever? Once from the states or from other countries? From the other countries, come over here. Great question. They actually come to Santiago, where we live, and we have a a, our regional office there, and they'll come to where we are for two months and uh, study culture, because even though they're Spanish speaking. A Mexican is different from a Guatemalan is different from a Venezuelan. So they come and learn about being a missionary and uh, how to serve in a foreign country and they usually are with us for about eight weeks. A North American missionary comes and is with us for about four months because they need to learn the language before they can go out. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Good question. Let's see. Just pushing buttons, but I do Oh, I probably shouldn't have pushed that button. <laughs> oh. Lots of people. on a, a with a trip on a Thursday I think that's it so it starts on a, on a Thursday with folks coming in Friday we show people around on a cultural day Saturday there's reports from missionaries and national church workers Sunday we're in church together in the afternoon then we talk about what our needs are and Monday folks go home we do that twice a year. And you folks as supporters are always welcome to come down, send a representative, send your pastor. We always invite at least two people to come. And it's an opportunity firsthand to hear what the work is, uh, be able to support us, and bring back to your church uh, what the the work looks like in that field. We have over 200 congregations that are supporting us in 13 countries through through our forums, which is just a circle of partnership. And we usually meet in the spring to talk about our work, how we organize ourselves strategically. And then in the fall, it's a taking the pulse, seeing how we're doing. And these circles have been of immense support to us in the mission field. Our mission supporters are sometimes foundations, most of the time congregations, often districts uh, that come and regularly support us with money but also with short-term teams in the area of construction, eyeglass clinics, and a host of other areas of service. So if you're so inclined and interested, feel free to talk to me. But this is how we support our mission work in and across Latin America. um, These are the countries. These are some of the folks. This is Honduras, and you'll see Hondurans here, as well as a bunch of North Americans. this is our Nicaraguan pastor serving in Honduras, planting our first two churches there. And it made up of a lot of people just like you. Uh, here's, uh, we held a foro in Minnesota. This is the district office in Minnesota. And you can see who some of our partners are. Lutheran Hour works with us, LWML, our partner churches, congregations, short-term teams, mission societies, Disaster response and then of course all sorts of congregation We also serve people this is in Puerto Rico uh, In times of need you may have Read in the news that in January of last year they had over 500 earthquakes hit their island and that was in the southwest corner and that was over a, a period of time of three months they had tremors where previously they hadn't had an earthquake in 60 years and then suddenly close to 500 tremors over a three-month period it was very devastating so we partnered with disaster response and brought food this is actually rebecca my wife's sister who serves as a missionary in puerto rico giving out a food bag to uh some folks in need in bolivia we ordained our first pastors, and a bunch of these men are uh, men who are studying with us. So here we have a grad, a graduate from our seminary. All of these men here, um, and the first. This is the president of the church in Bolivia. Here's a fellow missionary, Dr. Just. Um, this was at the ordination of this young man right here, who now serves in Peru, and in september now we hope to go with president harrison the president of our church body to bolivia to sign documents where they would become a partner church partner means that we would share everything with them in common in terms of exchange of pastors teaching and we would see them as being uh the same with us in teaching the gospel pastor what time do we have About 15 minutes. 15 minutes, okay. Any questions? Yep. Yeah, my sister just became Lutheran. She's from Mexico City, 20 miles north. And I know you're you're doing a lot of work. 20 miles north of Mexico City? Excuse me? Yes. Yes, okay. 20 miles north, yeah. 20 miles. So today she was ready to go to one of the churches in Mexico City. There's only just three. Right. And There's 20 million people there and where my sister is five million people, there's no any church there. You know, I don't like Bolivia or Nicaragua, where are your churches? In just the big cities, also you have a few in another town that has a lot of people. Yeah, Mexico, so, uh, next, thank you, what is your name? Roxana. Roxana, hablo sospecho, no? Si. Sí. Right, so, um, what Roxana just said is uh, actually one of the reasons why we do mission work. Mexico City is either the largest or second largest city in all of Latin America, where I think it has 30 million people. Yeah. And we only have three Lutheran churches in Mexico City. So imagine three, three churches and 30 million people. I think there's some work to do. And for example, if her sister lives 20 minutes north of the city, you can, you can drive for six hours across Mexico City and not get across the whole city. Exactly. That's how big it is. So she could be only 20 minutes north, but it could take her 90 minutes, to two hours, to get there, multiple types of transportation. So uh, that's not necessarily easy. And that's uh, part of our work. Where are we located? We primarily work in large cities. Uh, Back 30 years ago, missionaries primarily worked in uh, the countryside and even the jungle. But back in the 70s, as you're all aware, there was a massive uh, move from the countryside to the urban. And Latin America went from being agricultural to being urbanized. And today it's more urban and compact than Asia. We have more people per capita than Asian countries. Uh, and Mexico City is a perfect example of that. So, more people per square mile than, uh, say, any of our big cities in China. Uh, 75% of the, the region is now urban. So we concentrate largely on uh, cities of over a million. And if at all possible, we start in the capital city. Uh, Mexico, only five years ago, had two pastors. And they were shutting down as a church body. They had lost their seminary. We opened our seminary. Today we have six pastors. We're training another 10. So to answer your question, Roxana, be patient. We're getting there, you know. Um, but it takes time. It takes time. And it takes support uh, from our churches back here in, in Mexico. This is a woman in uh, Puerto Rico who received help from missionaries. And uh, on the side of showing mercy, let's see if you can hear this. Our children, our grandchildren, our great grandchildren Unfortunately, during the storm, and a huge tree that is by the house, the tree fell on the house, trapping us for 24 hours. We lost our house, most of it. We've tried for the last 11 months to get it back to where it is now. But we have no more money, we have no more help. And today, that said it's a miracle, I don't know why if people came, I don't know how, which people came and you're going to us us. to at least get the roof covered, which we need desperately, so that we can try to continue getting this place. This storm has wrecked havoc on so many people here in this community. I can't speak for the others, but I can speak here for many, and there's so many other matter of the people are still waiting to have their roots for on. People are still waiting for help from different agencies. And how the people are still without any basic materials. And the help of two people can offer us is so greatly appreciated. We thank you so much in the name of the through Jesus. Amen. So that's that's an example of uh the type of work that we do. We don't only preach and teach, and of course, uh, lead Sunday schools and youth groups. We also serve people in their body as needs present themselves. And in this case, there was a hurricane, and then uh, uh, earthquakes. And in the hurricanes, they lost their roofs. Something like 50,000 Puerto Ricans had roofs blown off of their their homes. And um, FEMA uh, would only help those uh, people who had deeds to their houses. And most Puerto Ricans don't have deeds, they have the sales act. So when you're purchasing a house, you get a sales act, and then the deed comes later, right? Well, in most cases, they only have the sales act. So thousands upon tens of thousands of Puerto Ricans did not qualify for assistance. So they were living in one bedroom of their house, Uh, where they were able to fix the roof, and the rest of the house was just destroyed from the rain. And this is where we came in, in partnership with Disaster Response of Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And uh, Pastor Ross Ross Johnson came down and assisted us, and our missionaries put on uh, something like 30 roofs a month for two years. We were able to help hundreds of people that way. But we were dedicating two people full-time to doing that. And uh, obviously when we show people that care about them in their body, they come to ask us, well, you know, why are you helping us? Like her, I don't know who you people are or why you're here. You heard her say that. Uh, And then the question comes, so why are you here? You know, uh, what do you want from me? Well, we just want to show you the love of Jesus. Well, who is this Jesus? And then a good conversation begins, and that's often a segue towards people having an opportunity to know our Lord as well. So mercy work is a a fundamental part of what we do, serving others. Here's preparation of deaconesses. I already mentioned to you that we are preparing women in over uh, five countries. We have requests from another five countries for women who want to serve, uh, we just don't have the capacity. So we committed to them that when we graduate this cohort of 100 in May, that we'll open our program to another five countries that are asking us for preparing women to be deaconesses. So this is a, a very, most of these women, almost all of these women serve in the area of Sunday School, youth, hospitals, visitation to the sick, the disabled, and um, quite often are involved uh, alongside of the pastors in serving um, uh, in, in the hospitals. So very, very important work this the um, this is our, our conference room in our seminary on the third floor, and we offer a, a workshops that serve. This particular workshop is uh, ambassadors of reconciliation, teaching people how to forgive each other, and the goal of this center is to teach workshops across Latin America. We do it in the area of uh, ambassadors of reconciliation, disaster response, life-ish, life and sexuality issues, and here we're equipping congregations and missions to be an active force for uh, mercy in their communities. A lot of times the church is in a community and folks are, what goes on in that building? And they're not really sure what the role of the church is. Well, we think as Lutherans, one of our roles is to get out into our community and serve people and with the needs that they have, uh, And also, of course, as we're serving them in their body, telling them about who our Lord Jesus is. Because that's exactly what our Lord does in the gospel today. Where is Jesus found? Smack dab in the middle of the crowd with people having a sea of needs around him. And he's jostled, he's pressed upon, and it must be uncomfortable, you know. At one point, in an earlier uh, situation, he presses upon Peter, get them into the boat a little bit offshore because the crowd is pressing on him so much. So of course it's uncomfortable, of course it's challenging, of course one doesn't always know the right answer but our Lord puts himself right in the middle of the sea of humanity to serve them where they are uh, and to speak to their needs and he doesn't only heal them in their bodies but he also always speaks to them in the inner person because he cares for us in heart as well as in body he died and rose so that we will rise not only in spirit but also in body body and soul matter and this is where mercy comes in we care for people in their bodies and in their spirits because that's who our Lord is he's the one who made us to do that uh, this is the university that we're building in, in uh, Uruguay with the Uruguayan church this is an architect's rendering it's not built yet But it'll be glass like this, holds 80 classrooms. There'll be a chapel that holds 500 right here on the second floor. And why does that matter? Uruguay is the most uh, secular country in all of Latin America. 40% of Uruguayans consider themselves to be atheists. So self-professed atheists. So we have an opportunity to build an institution for higher uh, learning right in a country where Uh, There's many, many atheists, and have an opportunity to teach young people the Christian faith, have chaplains on campus, direct them to congregations within the city and the surrounding areas. So this is another way in which we serve uh, in preparing people for uh, life in Christ. I think that's just about the last one. Here are some of the people that I work with uh, across uh, deaconess Nauman works on the BDMA project. This is a, our chaplain who serves all of our uh, missionaries. Uh, this young woman is studying to be a deaconess and does missionary care, caring for our missionaries. Uh, this is a woman who takes a lot of pictures for us. She leads our short-term teams. This man handles our finances. Uh, Fellow pastor who's responsible for five countries in South America, in the southern Cone. He's responsible for five countries in Central America. Another pastor here, responsible for four countries in Caribbean, over here in Central America. These are all folks that I work with. So this is a part of a larger effort uh, that the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod supports. And we've been doing this for 125 years. So we just celebrated our 125th year two years ago. Um, and then I think these are our missionaries. So missionaries from 10 different countries with their spouses. This is at one of our conferences. We meet once a year and come together for a week of being in the Word and worship. And here you can see the whole group of us, uh, about 130, 40 of us in this picture. Questions? Yes, sir. What is your story? How did the Lord lead you to where you are today? How did the Lord lead you to where I am today? Uh, okay, here's the 62nd version. My, my mother and father uh, were devout Muslims. My dad is a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. And I always enjoyed the fact that my uh, father was the same person in the home that he was in the church. And I had a deep faith and always pointed me to Christ. When I went to college and probably was going the wrong way, he would sit down and have long talks with me and fought for me and said, you need to read this. You need to think about this. No, that's wrong. And we'd have long conversations back and forth. Uh, Dad also held daily devotion in the home. In in German, we would call it And uh, in the morning, we tried to scoot off to school, and he'd grab us at the door and he'd say, hey, we haven't had a schrock yet. In German, that's a word. And that means, you know, the reading of the scripture. So i said, say, oh, Dad, I gotta go. He'd go, no, give me a verse, and I'd have to say it right in front of my buddy right there at the door. You know, embarrassing the heck out of me. So, of course, get out. And um, my buddy would turn to me and say, so what did you say to your dad? Like, wait, what, what were you talking? And, well, that's, that's the Bible. Well, what's the Bible? Well, that's the word of God. Well, what, what's the word of God? Before I knew it, I was having to talk about my faith all the time. And my dad always put me in those positions. He was planting churches in, in Ontario. He was a mission developer. So I always carried his briefcase and went with him Sunday afternoon to different missions and helped him set up the altar and set up the chairs. And then we go visit people. And uh, I remember when I was 10 years old, He'd say, hey, come with me. I said, where are you going? Church council. He said, church council? That sounds boring. No, no, you're going to like this. I said, no, Dad, I don't think I'm going to like this. No, 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 come on along. So I'd go along, and he always said to the president of the church, Teddy's just going to sit in the corner here and do his homework. Is that okay? And the president said, yeah, sure, that's fine. So I'd sit in the corner, you know, and on the way home, he'd go, so did you hear what went on there? No, Dad, I was doing my homework. He said, no, you were listening. What was going on there? And then he talked to me about how the church works and what happens in the church and all of these things. And, you know, uh, I went off to uh, university, got my undergrad in history, wanted to be a pastor. And I've been asked the question many times if my dad told me I should be a pastor. My first answer is no, because he never told me I should be a pastor. But, you know, as I get older, I realize he didn't teach me anything Except how to be a pastor. So, like my kids uh, are singing, he would take us to old folks' homes every Sunday. Of course, we get a big ice cream cone after, but we learn how to sing our faith in front of other people. And he taught me to be a disciple, a disciple of our Lord Jesus. And uh, today, you know, I'm thankful for who my father is and what he taught me. My mother's a devout Christian as well, uh, and continues to encourage me in the faith. But, That would be my 90 second answer. My father constantly pointed me to Jesus and constantly struggled with me so that I would stay in the faith and here I am today. (laughs) Any other questions, comments? We would love for you to come down and visit. If you're interested, please do. And we're very thankful for your continued support of us. Thank you for your patience. Uh, We've been away for a long time Pastor wrote me about, I can't remember what you wrote me about, Pastor. Um, Oh, about Mexico City. Yeah. And then said, hey, if you're in the area, come visit. So we're going to be in the area, so why don't we come visit? And he was very kind to open the doors to us. We always enjoy coming here. We feel at home, so thank you for receiving us, and um, it's a great blessing and privilege for us to be in the mission field in your name and on your behalf. We covet your prayers, and we're very thankful for you and for your continued ministry here as well. God bless you.